1: Good afternoon good evening wherever you are welcome to another episode of sheologians we are here today to put the her and in... you okay
0: just do what you're gonna do because I feel like sometimes I know what you're about to do
1: okay are you ready and we then... are here today to put the her in prosperity
0: oh okay you went that direction in my notes I have what? I have interview. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's like how I because I always like title like for this which yeah, yeah. section since uh-huh. we do a few episodes.
1: Him interview.
0: Hinterview. Oh for, HIN
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. That was so much better than what I did. Okay. <laughs> Hi. But my I na- felt <laughs> proud of myself for that. Anyway. I am proud of you. My name is Summer Yeager and I'm here with my beautiful co host Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi. Um and also, so this is rare because normally our guests have to Skype in. Right. Hmm. Um, we, we like ha- this, though. We like yeah, this, better. this is cool. The last couple of weeks we've had in-studio guests and mm-hmm. it's like weird because normally I just don't do that. Anyway, we have an in-studio guest today. We have Pastor Costy Hinn with us today. Thank you for joining us.
2: Good to be here. Easy drive. 25 minutes.
1: Yes, that is so cool. We actually he was
0: closer than you were.
1: He was closer than I was. That's right. <laughs> Mine was about six hours. Yeah. That's weird. That's, That's a, a weird longer. table turn right there. My, how the turntables have turned. Um, so we're so excited to have you. This is really cool. Hinterview. Um, I'm not over it. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm it just, <laughs> I put hin interview and then I was like, no, they just belong together.
1: That was great. Um, so Costi, you wrote a book and I was so delighted that you let me read it for everybody else. And I think like as soon as I read it, I messaged you and I was like, can you please come talk to us about this? Mm -hmm. Because for me, not so much for Joy. And if you listen to the show, you know this. The topic of your book was brand new. Um, So tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote it.
2: Yeah. So the book is called God, Greed and the Prosperity Gospel. The reason I wrote it is because I grew up in that movement, preached in the movement, made money off the movement, the whole deal. Um, Obviously, the last name, my uncle is Benny Hinn. My dad, Henry Hinn, was a, a pastor growing up. I grew up in church as a PK, and then also he traveled the world. So once I got saved, truly converted out of that movement, I went through a season, about three or four years, where I just kept my mouth shut and studied and learned. And my pastor was really kind and faithful, discipled me along. Mm. And then over time, people would, would ask, Hey, what, you know, the last name, any relation to, you know, you know who, or Benny Hinn. And they would laugh (laughs) thinking it's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, Oh yeah, it's my uncle. They're like, Ah. no, no, we were kidding. Are you serious? And I said, yeah, he's my uncle. They're like, Whoa, 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 hold on. So you're at a Bible church. Your uncle's Benny Hinn. How in the world? So I started explaining it. And our, our close friends knew and our church knew. Right. Um, so over time, people would ask, hey, would you write an article about this or deal with this topic or this topic? And so um, eventually, publisher came, said, what are your thoughts on writing a book on this? I said, sure, as long as it's not just the story and the testimony and all the salacious stuff and ooh, what did you live like? Mm-hmm. But there has to be Bible. I'm a pastor, so... Mm -hmm. There's got to be Bible teaching. So I wrote the book because I've heard time and time again from guys like Pastor Conrad Mbewe or Mbewe, some people say it like that, that the prosperity gospel is the number one U.S. export. Mm. And we have a lot of issues we're facing here locally. I understand domestically in the church, but at large globally, Mm. this is a poison and it's everywhere. And so I figured if people will maybe listen because the last name or they'll say, oh, he's been there that this might be a book they'll read and they can come into contact with the truth, the gospel, and some hard-hitting areas that we need to address in the church.
1: Right. Well, that was one thing I appreciated about the book because going into it, I thought, how is this guy going to write this book in a way that isn't like a Mm tell-all? Because I think a lot of people would come to it thinking, oh, it's a tell-all. And I, from just reading your Twitter, had a feeling that it wouldn't be Some kind of just like, here's the inside info that you guys need to know. Um, And it wasn't. And um, I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. But was Mm -hmm. that, how hard was that for you?
2: Hmm. It's a good question. There's a few areas that were pulled out. I, over the course of the writing process, though, would run it through, I had my wife in the mix and she's a, a smart left brain, you know, thinker, critical thinker as a woman and, and sharp. And so I'd run things through her and she'd look at things and say,
1: well,
2: hmm, that's not bad. I say, well, wh- what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, I don't know, that seems a little aggressive. And I said, well, honey, they need to know the truth. And she'd say, okay, no, that's fine. And she'd give good feedback and yeah. constructive criticism. So I would look at things like that. Right. But overall, I think this too, It's not about me and and us or whatever. Pastorally, if you're going to preach and write the truth, there should be a balance. And we don't have a license to just go nuts and say whatever we want and unleash. Everything has to edify. It has to be truthful. It has to be applicable. So the same way I wouldn't just get up in a pulpit and go off uh, without purpose. I may go off on some topics and I may have to address some things with hard lines, but then it's got to go somewhere. And Mm -hmm. so people have to you got to bring the cookies down, so to speak, from the top shelf and serve it to them in a way that they can clearly um, take it in. So in looking at the book, there were moments where I thought I could put something here. Yeah, but that's just kind of dirty gossip. Where are there moments where people need clear truth and, and Bible teaching? And then are there moments where I need to explain, look how we lived, look what we did. Now understand this is on donations. And then Mm. you know you be the judge as the reader is that okay or not
1: right well you did that well
0: yeah well I think that there's that um, I guess there would have been that temptation to make it to make the book a little too specific about your life just Mm -hmm. your life and turn it into like a salacious tell all Mm -hmm. but then I also think there would have been a temptation I guess to maybe like broad brush the whole movement Mm -hmm as well and i'm sure that you've gotten some feedback from people that are saying well like the book that you wrote isn't to my what i believe my Mm -hmm. corner you know um and so i guess just talk about that talk about how you like is that something that you intentionally tried to not just like make sweeping gestures about a group of people necessarily some of whom are legitimately brothers and sisters in yeah, Christ, yeah. you know?
2: I So at full disclosure, I tried to write the book for, and I don't know who cares, I guess what at this point the book's out. So mm-hmm. we <laughs> pitched pitch the book to all of our favorite publishers. So like Moody Baker. Okay. I can say that. You? Yeah. Hold oh on. yeah. Yes. Um, and they all turned it down and we're like, no, not for us. This isn't our thing. And we kept telling them, this is a, it's like a Bible handbook on this. We're not, coming at that. So I wrote right. sample chapters. This whole thing is laid out. And so the the conservative publishers were going, no, this seems like kind of just tabloid fare. And we're showing them the sample chapters going, people, this is like, there's a parenthesis in a scripture verse after every other paragraph. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> I want to follow in the footsteps of the faithful Bible teachers who have gone long before me. So they're going, eh, no. And then the other publishers are going, yeah, you're preachy. This is too preachy. This won't sell, and I'm going. Well, That's who so cares? Funny. Right. <laughs> so finally, Zondervan jumps on, and we had it out in the beginning where we we're having good discussions, and they said, you know, you, you need to write. This needs to be just story. You need to captivate people, and I'm going, okay, fine, but they need to get the truth. I'll captivate them for one or two chapters, and then just Bible teaching, and they're going, no, no, no. So a lot of that went into it prior, where okay. nobody's happy at the end. You know, guys that are more. Um, hardline theologically are going no, it needs you know Bible. Who cares about stories? Yeah. And then other people are going whatever with all the preachy stuff, man. Just tell me the goods. You know, is your uncle a heretic or not? You know, is he you know slipping right. money under the table? They just want to mm-hmm. hear the the tabloid fair. Yeah. So wrestling through that, I would go back to wise counsel and then prayer mm-hmm. over and over before ever sitting down and beginning to write. I would pray and ask the Lord, lead me, guide me, please help me. And so the end result was my best effort. I'll tell you one quick story. Yesterday, I get a phone call from a guy who is a major follower, young next-gen type preacher, huge follower of my uncles. And he says, hey, I don't want to debate. I'm not looking to fight, but man, I just want to hear your thoughts. We have to talk. Okay, I don't see it like you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, your uncle's really faithful to the gospel. He ju- we just differ on the applications of mm. money and how, you know, pastors should live. I said, "Well, how should pastors live?" He goes, "Well, I would be on the more, you know, looser side or more liberal side and you're probably more conservative, you know. They should all be bivocational." I said, "You're crazy. Paul's really clear, the laborer are worthy of his wages. Mm-hmm. There are men who are bivocational, but ultimately we should take care of our those who would labor faithfully. Yep. Let them do it." And so he's like, "Well, I still think your uncle's really faithful to the gospel and he preaches the gospel." So we go back and forth lovingly, but really clearly I'm saying to him, there's a kernel of truth in all of it. Yes, there has to be, otherwise there wouldn't be, uh, you know, passages like Peter, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, where he's going. They're going to secretly introduce Mm -hmm. destructive heresy. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of truth that's there. And so an interesting, to your point or your question, is here's a guy who calls and goes, man, you are way off. He's not a heretic. This is not a false gospel. This is just about applications about money and how we should live. This has nothing to do with the gospel so i begin to explain what the prosperity gospel does to the atonement and how it twists mm-hmm. scripture and what it does to the deity and person of christ to the nature of god so we begin walking through all that and in the end he's not happy he mm. just he, he's going well i have to explain to my following why i still support your uncle and so i'm going to create a rebuttal i'm going to put it on youtube i want you to know that ahead of time and i'm going to explain to people why your uncle's faithful to the gospel. This is just about, be- this is minutia. We're splitting hairs over non-essentials. And I'm in my office going, brother, Mm-mm. please. I, I plead with them and, um, you know, we ended amicably, but that's the wrestling match here is there's people that it, somewhere, no one's happy. And mm-hmm. then maybe one last to your point as well. <laughs> um, we try, I tried to be really fair to Pentecostals and assembly of God yeah. types who are Goodness, they kicked our family out of A.G., Mm, the Assembly mm. of God. A.O.G., my dad, my uncle got his papers revoked. That's public news. Everyone knows that or people in that circle do. So I tried to be fair and not broad brush. Every charismatic Pentecostal is some charlatan prosperity preacher who's living large on the backs of the poor and be fair Mm -hmm. to people that are, honestly, we do agree on the gospel.
1: Right. Right. Well, then tell us real quick for people who don't know, because legitimately, I had to read your book to really understand what the prosperity gospel was. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners, what is the prosperity gospel and why is it dangerous?
2: Yeah. So short definition, the prosperity gospel is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you follow him, he will, and believing in him will make you healthy, wealthy, and happy. So it's the good life. And right away for people that grew up in in your bubble, no offense by That's that. That's right. I'm in a bubble. You are. Yep. And and side note, you're what we want to raise as kids. No one wants their kid to know <laughs> have, have experienced <laughs> right. all this. You're not <laughs> right. like, hey, don't test it all, and then that way you'll know a lot when you're older and you <laughs> right. can deal with. The goal is to raise children that are going the the prosperity, huh? No, I've been just <laughs> I've been in getting the Bible all my life, yeah. and right. so yes and amen to that. But for you know for people that are not in that they're pretty familiar with it it basically is that and you don't have a theology of suffering you mm-hmm. don't have any explanations or you avoid passages that deal with suffering deal with trials god is not a psalm 115 3, you know our god is in the heavens he does whatever he pleases type of god he essentially is the puppet we're the puppet master and kind of shotgun definitions here Faith as Summer Winces um Oof, it just was it hard to is, hear. <laughs> a, faith is a force that you use to control God. So what you believe you can have. And that reaches back into, you know, mid to late eighteen hundreds, metaphysical stuff, mysticism, that new agey idea mm-hmm. that if I think it and if I say it, I can make my reality and law we, of
0: attraction kinda. It, thing. It is.
2: We used to say um you know you can make it with your mouth or people start making fun of it going oh name it and claim it blab it and grab it but those those jokes are rooted in truths that we used to say you know you can make it happen with your mouth now we know biblical confession like a romans ten nine, believe in your heart confess with your mouth or a first john 1 9 if you confess your sin he's faithful and does to forgive us our sin so confession is not about getting stuff or making things happen confession is confessing my sin right and my status before God as a helpless, depraved individual who needs him and turns to him. So that would be the difference. Mm-hmm. Conversely, or in addition, faith is a belief in what we can't see. It, it'd be the key to salvation, where in the prosperity gospel, faith is the key to stuff. Mm. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you've been saved by faith, not as a result of works that no man may boast. So that's real faith, the definition of faith. Right In the prosperity gospel, if you don't have that job promotion you want, if you aren't having a baby, you're having trouble because you're you're not getting that child that you've been praying and asking God for. If you're not seeing a breakthrough with your child's conversion, you have a a prodigal child. If you're not driving the car you want, you're not living in the house you want. If your life is not going the way you want it, it's because of your negative confession. So Mm. example, in our house, you weren't allowed to say, I'm sick. And f- this is serious, so you'll, you might laugh, you can, I'm not insulted, but we, we used to say arrogantly, you know, people would say, oh, the flu is going around, and, and we'd say, yeah, that's right, it's going around me, and it was very, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So heroes were Kenneth Copeland, Gloria Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, who's like the grandfather of the Word of Faith movement, Oral Roberts, Catherine oh. Coleman, William Branham, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was another one, superhero of mine, because he had audacious faith. He would beat on people to heal them and say, and this is more or less a quote. He would say, you know, there are times where an appear rough with people, but that's how you got to deal with the devil. He would literally punch and kick and slap people, punch them in the stomach and cast the devil out of them, quote unquote, and, and heal them and cast their sickness out. He was heroic to me because that was audacious faith. Imagine if we have a, a service here in the studio at Apologia and I come in and I'm like, man, come here, Jeff. Durbin or whoever and I'm like, get over here, summer, enjoy. Come here, you got stomach problems. Yeah, I've been trying to the doctor boom and I punch you in the stomach. And, and you're like, what is happening? This guy's crazy. right That was the idea that the natural man can understand these things. These are of the spirit, which is again, a twist on Paul's Total word when he. Ta- so you take statements that Paul made, very specific, easy to interpret, face yeah. value, yeah, and you just go man you guys don't understand this is a work of the spirit and you create man-made doctrines well Mm. that is faith in the prosperity gospel world and again let me add one more element to that if you guys are okay yep not to monologue
1: do it oh no
2: you've got your benny Hinn prosperity preachers yeah and you've got your osteen furtick prosperity preachers. right not everyone is a crazy guy with you know wild hair and a white jacket knocking everyone over on youtube right many next gen younger Mm -hmm. pastors have figured out Mm. how to produce better and better uh, results by not being so crazy. So Osteen, big white smile, Mm -hmm. handsome dude, sharp hair gets up there and and gives you like Oprah Winfrey theology where it's going to be all good. And you're a you're you're of good stock. You're a daughter of the King, the Most High God. All that stuff. That's Osteen. Right. He's figured out how to brand himself. Right. Furtick, same thing, just more V-neck skinny jean style with the beard, and Hipper. he's yeah, yeah, way more hip. So guys have figured out their niche. You're not mm-hmm. going to see a lot of Benny Hinn stuff anymore because the world has figured out that's insane. Mm-hmm. But it's the same theology. It's just been repackaged and rebranded. These people believe what Word of Faith theology has taught. Mm -hmm. They believe what Orthodox Christians, even Charismatic and Pentecostals have said, that's heretical. That's completely false. We don't actually believe that. Oh yeah, this is rooted in that.
1: Okay, so so far you've used, we have Prosperity Gospel, Word of Faith. What's the relationship between those two? Are they the same? Are they different?
2: So... I would say they live on the same street, but they're two different houses. Okay. The word of faith movement is going to be rooted much more in metaphysical thought type of belief systems. So you've got Phineas Quimby and there's a whole cast of characters. Kenneth Hagan grabs on, and this is verified. It's in a book by D.R. McConnell um, about the word of faith movement. He did a great job. Um, I believe he is one of the best books and he took columns and showed that Kenneth Hagin actually plagiarized material from this mystical metaphysical teacher and rebranded it Hmm. and you think mid 50s into the 60s and 70s what was starting to happen radio TV media and so these guys are taking these Oral Roberts jumps on board and goes from just being kind of a big white tent revivalist, to using radio, media, um, Amy Simple, McPherson, same vibe, same thing, Catherine Coleman through the 70s, my uncle's hero, does the same thing. So TV and media start to put this stuff everywhere, and so they're grabbing on to things. The Word of Faith movement is much more um, insane in their belief about faith, and it's very metaphysical. The prosperity Mm. gospel is much more apt to make its way into an American church and people won't even notice it. Word of faith theology you're going to notice, but the prosperity gospel is linked to God wants your best. God's will is your best. God's will is your, he wants to heal you. He will heal all of you. It's his will. He came, he died. Now we're into the atonement so that you might live the abundant life. Now tell me this, Mm. Is being in a wheelchair, a life of abundance. Mm. So now I've moved from, I'm not in word of faith theology. Oh, just have faith. I'm in prosperity gospel. What God wants for you is Mm. this. So now just begin to exercise your faith. You have to believe. And now I'm bleeding in the word of faith movement doctrine. So that's why I say they're neighbors on the same street, but two different houses. Historically, if you take, you know, experts on this stuff, they're seeing distinct things, but they do again, live on the same street.
1: Wow. Okay, I'm keeping up. I have so many questions. You all right? <laughs> I, yes. It's just, um, it's like a whole different language. But, and it's interesting how you mentioned earlier, like there being kernels of truth. Because um, I think you just said, you know, like he came and he died so that you can have abundant life. Mm-hmm. Well, we will have an abundant life. That's right. In eternity. Yep. And so it's interesting how those little yeah. twists and turns can... Can mess with the atonement, the atonement, mm-hmm. and what all of this was for. So that's that's just really that's interesting. Well, and it really,
0: I think what you see, and you kind of you already talked about this a little bit. It, what you see generally is kind of the mentality that, like, what's the real harm?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like they're they're leading people to Christ. Mm-hmm. People are in churches. That's pragmatism. What's, like, what's the big right? problem with it and Mm -hmm. and i you know i've had um i've also had people say um more i think more in terms of like continuationist versus cessationist conversation Mm -hmm. um where people are like well i know i know continuationists or charismatics or whatever word they use that are more faithful than or like more um they live more like christians i guess you could say like they're more hospitable than mm-hmm. the reformed camp or the cessationist camp like they're and so it's like i know and they in some ways they're doing better mm-hmm. so how can you how can you just condemn this group of people that mm-hmm. believe this thing when their f- like faith is appearing to be applied better in some cases mm-hmm. yeah um i mean i think <laughs> If we're talking about broad brushing. Everything <laughs> I just said in that statement is very, very broad brushed. Yes. Um, but I think it's apparent, I mean, even in just the short amount of time you've been here, what the harm really is. Mm-hmm. And we, we've we talked about that. We've had to talk about that on, with so many topics. So, what's many the topics. harm? Mm-hmm.
1: I, Why can't you say women are equal to men? What is, what the, is harm? the big deal? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the harm is in how people end up living. Mm-hmm. How do people end up... It, well, and here's a question that um, you did explain in the book, and I have heard explained before, but I have a hard time putting my hands around it. So you said earlier, in the prosperity gospel, there is no like theology of suffering, mm-hmm. and we're going to skip yeah. that. But you also said, and, and Conrad says this too, mm-hmm. that for the prosperity gospel is our number one export. That means that the prosperity gospel is going into nations... That is not as privileged as we are, mm-hmm. where there's, a, there where there's much more suffering. Without
0: a theology of suffering, yeah. you're missing. There's holes, giant holes,
1: right? In so, this. what would be the prosperity gospel's appeal? Yeah, where suffering abounds.
2: There's holes, you say, but I would say there's even more opportunity to to make a lot of money and to have something or a product that you can market to a bunch of people that are desperate for it. Okay. So there's holes to us because we understand the truth. Yeah. But think about it. I was going to say white man, but there are black prosperity preachers too. But for all intents and purposes, let's use a few of the big names. Like Joyce Meyer, mm-hmm. she's flying in to, I have a friend in Malawi, African okay. country, and she's huge there. Mm-hmm. And she puts out all her material. And my uncle flies in. And so you you what you have is a lot of American, let's call them that. American preachers who roll in and they fly in on private plane, they are living the American dream, they come into town, and we used to do this all the time, they pack out stadiums with hundreds of thousands of people, and in Mumbai, India, we actually had over a million, this is verified, go to YouTube, all over there. Um, Multiple times, Michael's been, but the trip in 04, I was there, I'm on stage, literally people as far as the eye could see, like ants, and it was what we were offering that made them come. And so just like the world says, you know, if you just believe it, you can do it. If you just work hard and believe in yourself, you can have it too. That's what celebrities say, right If you you go to the SBs, yeah. you look at the Grammys or anything. what do they all do? I'm so thankful, thank you to my fans, thank you to my family. We did it. If you just believe it, you can do it too. Really, every single person's gonna win a Grammy right Can every <laughs> right. but what do we do? Well, everyone
0: in that? sea of mi- yeah. a million people can stand on the stage where it, you were exactly <laughs> yeah
2: but it it sells and it draws and it keeps dreams going and keeps kids wanting those things and keeps them buying albums and keeps them following and you know buying the merchandise so same thing with prosperity preachers you get up on a stage and you say I have flown all the way here from America to tell you that the same God who blesses me in my country is the same God who will bless you. And the people roar. And you say, the same God who blessed Abraham, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead with power, the same God that used Paul the Apostle in power and signs and wonders will bless your life and fill you with power too. And I mean, I could imitate it, it makes people mm-hmm. feel weird, but that's mm-hmm. ultimately what we did. And then when you tell stories, Oh, I remember when my wife and I had nothing, and the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I'm speaking to you, and he told me, give it, and it was my last five dollars, and he told me to give it, and this preacher came, and I didn't like the preacher, I didn't like he had too fancy a shoes, and too big a watch, and too nice a suit, and he was preaching about money and telling me to give it, and I was wrestling with God, and finally God said, if you want me to bless you, then you bless that man, and so I did it. And we went home and we had nothing. We didn't know how we we're gonna pay the rent. And there was a knock at the door the next day. And a man handed me an envelope and said, God spoke to me. And it had ten thousand dollars in it. Or, you know, let's say five thousand would sound better. <laughs> I gave my five and he gave me five thousand. That's the God we serve. And so you you do that, and now you play it out. Three hundred thousand people in a stadium in Brazil or in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Just do the math on the numbers. If everyone gives list. a couple yeah. bucks.
1: I can't do that kind of math.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> it's easy math. Rich. Okay. okay. That's okay. Rich.
1: Just to be <laughs> clear.
0: You. The stories were not true. But they were being the told.
2: The stories were not true. But some of them were even like a, a little bit true. For example. Okay. You, you gave some money to someone. And then you got more money from somewhere else, that happened all the time because people were always donating to our family. Right. Right. So imagine literally, yeah, you do cut a check for some amount and then in a day or two, someone gives a donation Right. and you go see, that's the God we serve. So you're selling a a story that's larger than what it actually is and it's an ecosystem. The more you feed into it, it will actually thrive. And so all these people are told that. You tell stories about healing. We were always told about how, you know, so-and-so had cancer or this woman had a tumor. And you can make those stories up. They're really easy. Or this guy got out of a wheelchair. And these things happen sometimes randomly. Or some of these people, they actually could stand. They were just mm-hmm. in a wheelchair because it was hard to walk. Yeah, Sure. You can make anything up that you want. And we would call that. And I literally asked one of my family members one time. Some of those stories weren't true or weren't as accurate as, as you know, and I'll never right. forget it. He said, "Costy." It's not about accuracy. It's about building people's faith. That is what we do. We are. I'm here to build their faith. And we build their faith and we create an atmosphere for healing and healing will happen. Which is why, if you've ever watched one of my uncle's crusades, it's identical to Catherine Coleman, what she did in the 70s. You can go on YouTube, mm. look at her when she went to Vegas. She did... Uh, a set of music, a beautiful choir, guest speakers, celebrities, all the while. Then she does some teaching and then she gives even the gospel message and gives the God My uncle would do the same thing, have an altar call, people getting saved, Billy Graham style. And then all of a sudden he would break into, you know, Hallelujah. Some of you listening might be getting PSD, PTSD if, you, <laughs> if you've ever been to that. It, he would start singing Hallelujah and he's like, Jesus is here, nobody moving. Shh, and he just, goes into that mode and it's the healing service and he says place your hand on the sickness in your body fire on you and he would begin to do all that that's all theatrics that's all psychosomatic power of suggestion yeah. some of you are going to feel electricity moving through your body just begin to believe and you do that i mean that stuff it, it it's hypnotizing you got the right. music going so they've already given their money they've already been told a bunch of big time stories you know what it reminds me of have you ever been, or you know anyone who's ever been to one of those multi-level marketing rallies? Yeah. That you was see them on TV? immediately what I was thinking of when uh-huh. you
0: were talking.
2: Is mm-hmm. everybody going to fit at the top of the triangle? Right. Oh. No. But my goodness, everyone's paying their $300 ticket to go learn yeah. how to be the next big self-made millionaire. Right. That's all it is. I'm telling you, that's all it is. Wow.
1: wow. What is the number one thing? Because unfortunately, we have to. I feel like we could talk about this for oh so yeah. long. We're gonna and, have to have and also bread back. pudding. Um, you. Bread you guys, pudding. You guys are outside <laughs> of. You guys are outside of that inside joke. Um, <laughs> what was the thing? Other. I mean, obviously, it was the Lord that brought you out of, of this. Of course, right. So that's a given, and we acknowledge that it was the Lord's work. What was the thing that made you go? I really really need to look more into what i have been believing my whole life like what was was there a turning point for you
2: yeah how long do i have
1: you have to get out of here in 10 minutes
2: okay yeah i have (laughs) full disclosure i've got to go do a return at ikea in tempe because i'm not we don't have ikea down where i am okay and then i've got to be home for dinner so i've got those little slots but let it you know and my i do not
1: i will not make your wife you're not going to be late for yeah. dinner.
2: No, 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 no. Sweetheart, <laughs> sweetheart, if you hear this and you listen to the episode after, this is the point where it's 2.30, I yeah. will go to Ikea, and I'll be home on time, and That's we'll have right. a wonderful dinner with the we family. Believe. <laughs> we believe. W- we believe by we faith. We believe. <laughs> so, yes, my wife is my biggest backing, biggest supporter. She's like, go preach the gospel yeah. and go give people the truth. So, she was my
1: favorite character in the book is, by far. It, mine too. <laughs> so great. I love my I, wife. I want to meet her. <laughs>
2: she is a godly yes. woman. Um, and very busy like you with lots of babies. and Good for her. Lots to do. Good for her. So yeah, let me break this down. Well, let's just do five minutes. I, whatever, okay. six okay. minutes. Yep. To take some time. So um, three-point mini sermon because I'm a pastor. Yes. That's what we do. You Here got go. the, the coach, the girl, the pastor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have a coach. I'm playing baseball at Dallas Baptist University. I was warned. This is why there's a chapter in the book. Don't let those Baptists brainwash you. I go play baseball at DBU and I was warned by my family. Don't lose the holy spirit go play baseball right. go so i'm at a baptist school right i'm rolling in a hummer big ten thousand dollar limited edition brightling watch Ooh, i'm yeah. flashy and they're like what in the world the <laughs> kid? But we're
1: baptists they're
2: they're gracious to me <laughs> right first class with a professor named dr mike milburn faithful pastor who's adjunct he's like reading the role Costihan. i'm like yeah he's like you kin to Benny. <laughs> You kin to beanie. I said yes, sir. He goes, oh, I better watch what I say. Then some of this, some of this course material—it's a New Testament class, so we're obviously going to deal with some things. So DBU, super gracious. Real quick, my coach talks about the sovereignty of God, mm. and he's disciple making, and, and we're talking through the Bible and all of that. And one day he mentions Proverbs 21, one and says, guys, the heart of the king is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. He controls kings. He controls scouts. Don't worry about your future. Just play the game. Have fun. Relax. And I'm going, coach, in my mind. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. God's sovereign. Whatever he's in control. Let me tell you, I know a little bit about how to control God. I got a Hummer and a real <laughs> nice expensive watch in my locker. Yeah. Um, Here's the proof. <laughs> yeah. But that stuck with me. So okay. that season ends. I meet a gal, my wife is immediately questioned when I start dating her and my parents and family, everyone wants to know one thing. Is she spirit filled? where did right. this girl come from? Right. And she is blue collar, drives a Yaris. I drive a Hummer. She's like putting herself through college, working at TGI Fridays. And I'm like prosperity gospel kid. Couldn't be more opposite. And she begins to, to wrestle through tr- them trying to conform her. And so you got to speak in tongues to be saved. So we're bleeding in some really extreme Mm -hmm. charismatic type of belief systems and she's not getting tongues. And then you really have to like revere my uncle and my father and the family and the anointing. It's like the Elijah, Elisha thing, the double portion, the mantle, the man's anointed and she just wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid and she's thinking some of this doesn't add up, but she's really quiet and just kind of like, I want to marry Costi. I don't know what all this is. So she jumps on board trying to get in the family and there's footage of her on YouTube with little hands up, like worshiping at my uncle's services. She's trying everything she can to get this thing she's supposed to have. She has asthma and is hiding it because you're not allowed to be sick and be a hen. Right. That season leads us to go, okay, what does the Bible say? So we find 1 Corinthians twelve thirty, where Paul says, not all do they, not all, and rhetorically, he's basically saying, not all are gonna operate in all these gifts, you don't have to. So even there's Pentecostal charismatics that are like, yeah, not everyone's gonna do everything, I get it. Right. So that's a domino. And she's like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I think we're off the hook. Yeah, I don't think like, you have to speak in tongues. Back then, I still did. I had my little prayer language mm-hmm. doing my thing. And so I'm oh, like, I've okay. I've heard about those. Oh, yeah.
1: Joy's like, yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. I, wow. I really
0: tried to activate mine. But totally.
2: <laughs> never well, mine did. <laughs> it, it never happened. Mine didn't make any sense, but it did to me. So I'm like, yeah, I babble. You don't. That's cool. We're living First Corinthians 1230. Yeah. I'm still, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid from my sure. family still, but it's eh, starting to push back. We end up in california so you got the coach the girl the pastor we end up in california and here's the kicker in all this so i open my bible to take you to the passage we start preaching expository sermons at the church i'm going okay cool so he's like we got to break it down verse by verse we're going to go through the book of john and our church begins to go through this weird transition of course weird to us but miraculous as god begins to literally regenerate people that including me who are pastors and here's my moment I get told you're up it's john 5. 1 through 17 is the text we were there it wasn't planned pastor's going to be away it says i need you to preach i'm like okay oh, yeah. healing at the pool of bethesda i'm thinking i got this in the bag i'm a hen. I know I mean, about let's, healing. Let's, let me let me tell you people a little something <laughs> <laughs> um, you know not down with tongues being mandated uh look there's some crazy stuff but <laughs> let me tell you all about healing so i go to study and i'm in john 5 and my pastor there was a commentary, Burgundy thing on my desk. It lands. He goes, "Hey, this will help you keep the train on the tracks in study." It's by a guy named John MacArthur. I'm like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Here it, he came. It doesn't <laughs> click that that's the guy my family hates. On TBN, one time, my uncle says, "You know, I'm gonna wish I could blow someone's head off with my Holy Ghost machine gun." It was talking about MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> no love lost. So I open it up but not before beginning to observe the passage and i'm looking and jesus targets one man out of a multitude i'm going that's weird we used to say he, he's going to heal everybody it's always his will then move down the passage lower left hand side of my bible jesus says arise pick up your pallet and walk and the man immediately john says immediately mm-hmm. gets up i'm going hmm, right away that's power that's mm-hmm. powerful no fanfare, no music, no atmosphere, no offering, no white jacket, no anointed healer, no choir, no nothing. Just healed. Then the man goes off, wandering around, and gets lost in the crowd, and Jesus slips away. And the Pharisees see him go, who told you can pick up your pallet and walk? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? You can't, you can't work, basically, because they had all these extras that you couldn't do. The guy goes, oh, the, the man who healed me. And John records, because he didn't know who Jesus was. And that hits me hard. I'm going. Didn't know who he was. How do you not? How do you get healed then if you don't know who he was? Because you have to know him to have enough faith to believe and Mm -hmm. get healed. And I'm going. Okay, here we go. Commentary time. I grab this thing and old MacArthur, in the MacArthur way, (laughs) says, "Here is God's sovereignty in action. Christ as a sovereign healer." Word sovereignty. I'm going. Oh my goodness. That's what Coach used to tell us. God's in control. We're not. He does as he pleases. We, and he keeps going. And he says, and therein lies the cruelest lie of faith healers today, that the people they fail to heal are guilty of negative confession, unbelief, that if they just had enough faith, they would get healed. Here, a man doesn't even know the Greek word, literally doesn't even perceive who Jesus is, and he, he gets healed. So, the, the waterworks are on. I'm crying. I'm going, what just happened? Everything floods in. I had cracks in the dam of my theology before that. And just picture in your mind, kind of everything bursting through. And I literally repent in my office, crying, vowing to God that I will literally preach the true gospel for the rest of my life, whatever it takes, whatever he calls me to do. And so I go over, I kick the door in at my pastor's office, and he is what are you doing? And I'm thinking that sermon, I got to preach Sunday. You're going to be away. Let me tell you, man, this is crazy. Everything I believe was a lie. I think there's other things I have to figure out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm telling them all that I'm going to do. And he goes, no, you're not. I said, what? He goes, sit down, Costy. <laughs> you're not going to do any of that. God's got a handle of his, on his gospel. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He's a sovereign God, just like you just found out. Listen, mm. brother, you want to be a pastor or some showman sideshow going on about everything, angry guy on the internet. I was like, well, I want to be a pastor. He goes, what does a pastor do? I said, serves the church. He goes, here's what you're going to do. Then you're going to sit down and shut up. You're going to go back to that office and serve our church. you be faithful. You're going to go to seminary. You're not a pastor anymore. You're PIT pastor in training. I felt like a pledge at a fraternity, right? Like, mm-hmm. right. And he goes, and we'll do this right. And you focus on being faithful. And if God decides to use you to speak on this issue, he'll determine when. But right now you just focus on being faithful. and so i'm I'm humbled. I feel like I just got whooped by Dad, you know, and
0: <laughs> and sent
2: back to my room. And so I spent three, four years just silent seminary, being discipled by godly men. So that was my moment. Mm. Um, and the Lord, through a process of faithful people, saved my life and called me to preach the true gospel. So um yeah that's why i needed a few minutes to explain i wanted to give you the 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 story
1: that's the part in the book where i cried my husband was like you cried (laughs) (laughs) you don't do that (laughs) i know okay um mrs hen he's leaving i'm getting him out of here Um, where can they where can they buy the book
2: uh it's on amazon barnes and nobles lifeway but they're not giving a discount so don't buy it on life okay go to amazon go to amazon there's discounted right now That's right christianbutt.com i already said that you know
1: what i'll link it when i post this episode on the sheologians page yeah. so you don't guys tell you where to find it go there i'll make sure to link to it thank you so much this was so much fun god greed and the prosperity gospel prosperity that'll be our next t-shirt <laughs> no i'm just kidding it <laughs> okay that's it for this week <laughs> you guys we will see you next week see ya